Hello and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. It's fall, time to go back to school. I've got some really great episodes for you as we enter this new season, and I'm sure you're going to want to tune in. I also have an upcoming workshop, and you can learn all about that on my website, isabelbridges.com. See you inside the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Welcome to season three of the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I am so excited to share some oldies but goodies with you today. So you will be hearing from the Awakened Mother Show, which is a summit I did during COVID. As you listen, I want you to really notice how far you've come since then, where you find yourself now, and also how you can use what you learned during that time and in this podcast in the future. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Awakened Mother Show. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and we are being joined today by Tabby Biddle. Tabby, thank you so much for being here with us today. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here, Isabel. So, Tabby and I were talking a little bit before we hit record, um, and we both have children similar ages um, and are on this path of, uh, you know, divine feminine leadership. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation about voice. Feels like a really um, important conversation right now. And I know that the women watching this are going to be inspired and empowered. But before we dive into the conversation, Tabby, let us know a little bit more about who you are, how you serve the women that you do. And then also, I'd love to hear where you find yourself on this mothering journey at the moment. Hmm. All righty. Let's dive in. Exciting. Um, Okay. So as uh, you just told everyone, I'm Tabby Biddle. Um, I am a women's leadership coach and consultant and writer and women's circle facilitator, speaker, author, um, basically expressor and communicator, all with a mission to empower women to connect with the divine feminine within themselves and to amplify their voice as leaders through their own form of leadership and creative expression. So that is my life's work and life's purpose. And I'm continually finding more and more of my voice as I continue on the journey and support my clients. Um, I Just a couple specific things um, in terms of the areas where I help women. I mentioned creative expression. One specific area I work with women is in supporting them to become TEDx speakers. Um, that's a very mainstream platform 
where there's been huge gender inequality through the years. And when I became a TEDx speaker, that's when my eyes were woken up to the fact that, whoa, <laughs> there's a major gender inequality on the, on those particular stages, which surprised me because I consider that a progressive organization, um, you know, bringing new ideas to the table. So I realized, okay, well, if we're not having women's voices up here in this mainstream platform nearly represented to the level of, of male voices and other um, women and other underrepresented voices, then um, we've got a big problem here. So that's been that's been a main area where I've been supporting women to become TEDx speakers and basically bring their feminine wisdom and feminine values and, and feminine principles onto this more mainstream stage so we can start to shift consciousness to to balance more the the feminine and masculine principles uh your other question i i live in santa monica california which is uh part of los angeles and you asked me where i currently am on my motherhood journey yeah. um i yeah should i go yeah 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 you know, I mean, specifically just, you know, we're kind of coming out, we're peeking our head around the corner of this pandemic. And just how has that impacted your motherhood is the question. Yeah. Okay. So first off, I'll, I'll let you know that I have an eight-year-old son coming up on nine. He's a third grader. And, um, and I'm married. I have a, a male husband and a kitty cat. And um, we, we've all been home together for the past year plus, you know, since everything shut down, my, my son was doing Zoom school from here. And I have to say we adapted a lot faster than I thought we would. I particularly thought my son would have trouble adapting. He's a very sociable being. Um, and my husband and I are social, but we're also yogis and we, you know, we're used to quiet time, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and internal time. Um, but anyway, my son seemed to adapt and we all kind of found our way and we added um, new elements to our, our um, we live in an apartment, to our apartment. So there were more uh, sitting areas and uh, individual quiet areas and so forth. And we, we just, um, I don't know, we made our home kind of our, our castle, if you will. Um, and yeah, so, so I, you know, as, as much tragedy as there's been, um, and also I lost, I lost my dad, um, in January, not to COVID, but of natural causes, he was 92. Um, so that was a big transition during this time for sure. Um, but during all of this, um, I have to say as a family unit, my husband, my son and, and our cat, uh, and I, we really found much more, um, harmonious, harm, har, homo, how do you say the word? Harmony. Harmonious lip harmony. Yeah. Harmonious living harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, amongst ourselves, like things that needed to be worked out <laughs> mm. amongst us that you could kind of get away with, but, you know, son was at school, husband was at, you know, at his office. Right. And yeah. so we, we, we found a way. So I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of us. I, I can't say, you know, all of it 
certainly not all of it was was easy. You know, we really had to work through some stuff. But I I have felt that like sense of pride, like wow, we did it. Like we we we've done. We, you know, life goes on. You know, we still it's yeah. always a evolution. But like some major kinks we we worked through, and now I feel like we've just opened up much more space for for all of us. Um, so that felt really good. So, so that's where I am now is kind of rising, um, to look beyond, um, beyond just the home. My son is now back in physical school. He's been back for about a month, um, in person full day, you know, eight 30 to three. My husband and I are still working from home. I've always worked from home. I have a home office yeah. and my husband in times past has, but he's, for a long time had an office, but he's very happy work. He's going to try to keep, keep doing this for, for as long as possible. We're, we're, we're happy with it. Well, thanks for letting us peek behind the curtain. So I'm going to make an assumption here, which I don't usually uh, advise, but the assumption is that communication and actually the actual intentional use of your voice enabled this time to be, one of relative, it sounds like, ease. Is that true? Is that assumption accurate? Yeah, communication. Thank you for bringing that up, Isabel. Communication was huge. And at times, like, not easy things, right, to, to bring up. Um, but that, yes, absolutely. Because if I think of the opposite, if I think of, like, if we let things fester or didn't speak up, or yeah. right, then, then that's where everything just dissolves. And luckily, we're all communicators. I mean, my husband as well, like, this is his life. He's a writer, producer, director, podcast, you know, like, he's, he's a communicator. My son is a, <laughs> like, a, like, magnified communicator. Mm. And I myself am a communicator. Um, so there's a lot of communication going on in our household. <laughs> I love this flavor that you bring to communication of creativity. It's all, it's, it's, I'm feeling like you, um, you see communication as something that comes, it's not just something that like starts here and then comes out of your mouth, but it's something that like can possibly live inside of you first and then be expressed in a really creative, well thought out embodied way. So I I'm wondering how is the voice of a mother specifically powerful in a way that is different than the voice of maybe a father? Yeah. So this is a great question. I have a lot to, to say about it. Um, so I think the first place I want to start is that um, I'll say that there's there's a major call right now from the sacred feminine, from the divine feminine um, to bring feminine principles into our consciousness, into our world. Um, things like compassion and connection. And as we're talking about communication, yeah. collaboration and nurturing, right? Intuition and vision and wisdom, right? So many good, good things. Um, and our planet right now is so is, is, as you all listening, <laughs> probably well know, is so out of balance with patriarchy. Um, you know, uh, 
you, just the values really of of power over and dominance and corruption and aggression and and I'm not saying this is all what male is, but this is kind of the toxic male um, yeah. principles, right? Um, the violence, and of course, then the silencing of voices that fall outside of that white patriarchal standard, um, or those who really don't who don't ally with with that um, version of the patriarchy. So this, as we know, has led to so much inequity and injustice and war and poverty and violence the world over. Um, and it's actually women and girls who suffer the most from this. Okay. Where research shows that women and girls are disproportionately affected by sexual violence, hunger, food insecurity, and poverty. Okay. But, but the truth is everyone suffers, right? If one person's suffering, we're all suffering. So we really need a change in this. And where the mother's voice come in, comes in is that what most people don't know is about you. I, I know you study the divine feminine, so you probably well know this, but I, I'm always amazed at how many folks don't, um, particularly women. I mean, I, I'll, I'll share what it is in a moment, but I didn't know until 15 plus years ago. Um, but what most people don't know is that in our human history, there were peaceful and egalitarian cultures and societies before the onset of patriarchy, right? Where the great mother, mm. the goddess was at the center, right? She was the primordial force. She was revered and respected um, for obvious reasons, because you could just observe a mother giving birth, right? This is giving life, <laughs> right? In, into the world. And, you know, for, for babies to survive, the mother needed to nourish that baby, right? Feed that baby from her body, right? So, so there's an obvious reason why there was such deep reverence for the female, for the mother, right? And so during these times, so this is, this is from some researchers said all the way back to 30,000 BC up till about 3,500 BC when that's when the onset of patriarchy began, where there were some Northern tribes who had, um, they were warrior like who had male sky gods who were more like punishing and dominance and so forth. And there's a whole, I won't go into the whole history, but there's, you know, a whole evolution of how then the, the sacred feminine began to, um, get devalued and and eventually um, uh, uh, pushed into the unconscious. But during this time of of these goddess worshiping cultures, which again was thirty thousand BC up to about thirty five hundred BC, right? So we're looking at over twenty five thousand years. The archaeologists have found that these were peaceful egalitarian societies where it appears that there wasn't one gender dominant over the other. Um, and there were no weapons found, no weaponry found, right? No, no evidence of warfare. Um, these were not primitive cultures. These were quite established um, where there was, um, so, you know, good soil and water and farmland and they cultivated wheat and barley and, um, other foods to eat. And there were crafts and pottery and copper and metal 
work and jewelry. And, and this is an um, important piece here, and statues. And you've probably seen, right, some of the female figurines. Some of us have seen these in museums and maybe don't think really much of the, the um, magnitude of um, the fact that there's this, uh, British historian Bethany Hughes, who's done a, a lot of work in this area and looking at the um, uh, archaeology of, of the feminine and the goddess worshiping times. And she has cataloged and found that during that time period between 30,000 BC and 3,500 BC, or actually all the way up to 1,000 BC, 92% of the figurines that were found, right? The, the sculptures that were found, 92% of them are of the female form. Mm. So this, this is amazing when you really, and this is, I'm going to tie this all into why the mother's voice is so important because during this era, right? As we said, there was, there was no warfare. There's there, they were stable societies. This is what archeologists and historians have figured out. Um, and there was, and, and there wasn't like one over the other, there seemed to be partnership and collaboration and so forth. And so if we're looking at today society, right. And all the injustices and so forth, uh, that exist, it wasn't always that way. and doesn't need to be that way. And I think we've really been tricked into a, a place to believe, oh, right, there's always going to be warfare and there's always going to be, you know, someone at the top and someone at the bottom. And that's mm -hmm. simply not true. Mm -hmm. So this is where a mother's voice is so important because we as women, well, we all, all, all genders carry this memory, but particularly we as women in this lifetime carry this memory in our bodies of this time of the goddess. We carry this memory of this time when the, the female divine was revered. And we carry this memory of what it's like to build cultures and societies with uh, peace as, a, um, as the overarching theme and where there's collaboration and compassion and partnership. Um, and I think that's the direction we're trying to go, you know, these days, right? Um, so, so that's one that, that's one piece. A couple more things. I know this is a bit of a long answer, um, but a couple more things about this about why mother's voice is so powerful is that mothers all over the world share similar concerns, right? We want to make sure that we have enough food for our children, a, a safe and comfortable place to live, good education, good health care, right? Um, particularly freedom from violence and opportunities to for our children to pursue their potential. And we as mothers, we want to be free from violence. We want to live in a place, right? Where, where we're safe and we can be there for our children. So until mothers, until women, especially mothers, are really involved as leaders in, in what's happening in the world, um, then, and I'm not saying every woman has to go run for Congress, right? But this is leadership in, in her community in whatever way, right? And, and, and beyond, right? Onto the world stage. Until that happens and crucial concerns and, and the truth of women's lives are really absent 
from the decision-making tables, right? And this essential wisdom that women carry within them mm-hmm. about really the days of the goddess, that that's missing from our cultural conversations and consciousness. Um, so I believe with the power of motherhood within her, right, that a woman really can have such huge influence on our world and, and the direction we're going. And there's, yeah. and there's more, but I, I, I know there's... there because I know, I mean, that's, yeah, I could give like a two hour speech. So. <laughs> I love your passion, Tabby. It's amazing. I can see that this is your, this is really the way you've chosen to use your voice. You're such a good model for that. Um, so where I want to go now is uh, I just want to acknowledge that we inherited as women and mothers, we all inherited this belief that we should be the good girl, right? We should do, which means being subservient, you know, meeting other people's needs before we meet, meet our own, being compliant, being quiet, not using our voice, especially when it is a different opinion than someone else's. Damp, really dampening, like you said, dampening the goddess, dampening um, our emotions, those are feelings, our bodily sensations. Just as I say that, I feel a flush of anger, you know, which I have been taught. And I grew up in a very like communicative family. And yet I still was raised with this unspoken, um, you know, belief that it wasn't okay to be really angry. And I felt angry. And so what I learned, and I'm not the only one, is to push that anger down because I didn't want to be bad. I didn't want to be seen as a bad girl. And then that has real impact on a woman's life. And so my question to you, Tabby, is what do we do with that? Like, how do we be with ourselves when we're feeling maybe anger or grief um, with these, you know, darker emotions that are not accepted in a patriarchal society that make uh, women like crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I think it's so common for so many women and, and, and many women end up shaming themselves for yeah. having those feelings. Right. And then it it's becomes a self-shame. A cycle so it started, and a yeah. It yeah. started being shamed by others. And now that voice is in our own heads. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're, the question there was, what do we do? What do we do with these things? Okay. Yes. So the first thing I would say is just the acknowledgement, like you just did of having mm-hmm. those feelings and then sharing them with a friend saying, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm feeling all this to be witness and to be held in a space. So you want it to be a friend who you really trust and you know, who can hold space for you yes. um, to, or, or, or in a women's circle, you know, where there has been trust built um, to be able to say out loud, like I am damn angry. Like I have so much rage in me and I can't necessarily identify where all of it comes from, because like you said, even in your family, in a communicant family stuff, right? But to, to say, I mean, right, we know the culture's just like soaked us in this, right? So, yeah. but to be in a place where you can say to another woman or a circle of women, you know, I feel this rage, 
right? So number one, acknowledgement, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, what am I going to do with that? Because it's in, it's in your body, right? Yeah. So there, there are many practices, but I'll name a few practices that can help help move that through. Um, number one is literally just shaking, like doing a, a morning practice. And I, and I definitely want to talk about morning practice um, somewhere in this interview. So I guess I'll bring it in now. Okay. But I, I think it's so important for women to have some type of morning practice where they are connecting with themselves, um, you know, in their body. And so the shaking, just like, I'm sitting down now, so I'm not going to fully do it, but like shaking at your legs, shaking your arms, shaking, whoops, of course my, <laughs> I knew that would happen. <laughs> my my uh, earpiece came out. Um, so shake, you know, shaking at your head and then like whoosh, letting it, whoosh, right. Releasing it. I mean, we are our own shamans, right? We are our own healers. So you can do this on your own body where you can literally, literally release that energy. And the reason why shaking is so important or is so useful is because it's an unusual way of moving our bodies. Other ways have become very habituated, even if we're like yogic practitioners, which I, I am, and I, I imagine some who are listening are as well. And, um, you know, there, I love yoga. There's, there's much that can be, um, released there, but, we can also get in the habitual patterns of our, you know, postures we're used to doing and so forth, where shaking um, really rattles things up and, and brings things up from the underbelly. And then you, and then, like I say, you, you want to make sure to release it out after, right? So mm-hmm. um, other ways is dancing, like dancing to like tribal drumming, type of music where you can let your warrior woman come out. Right. And it's, and, and because there's music, it can feel like you're being held in space, like in a safe space. Cause mm-hmm. I, I know from, from my own experience and, and working with many women and being in many women's circles, it, it can feel scary at first to yeah. um, activate this energy within your body. Um, but with something like with music where, you know, like there's kind of an arc to it, you know, and there's, you know, there's a time, there's a time and then the music stops. It can help. You can say, okay, for three minutes, I'm going to just go for it with this warrior energy and move however my body wants to move. You know, you might even like have a sword, you know, whatever it might be. And just to go for it, let yourself express that. And you're not hurting anyone. Like, because I think that's what many of our fears are that we're going to hurt someone. Right. But with these type of practices, this is, this is you really, this is a personal practice to release, not hurting anyone. You're helping yourself. Um, And the last, oh, go ahead. Well, I would, I, I also just really hear you saying that your feelings, your emotions are valid and they are worth your awareness and your expression. And just because you're angry doesn't mean you can hit someone or even scream at the person you're angry at or um, talk about them behind their back. And that these are practices that you can do that actually help you release the anger in a, a, a way that is powerful. 
So continue. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I love that. Well said. Well, the the last piece of that I was just going to say is, is journaling. And you know, if, if you're not already, those listening aren't already journaling and doing some type of writing where you need to get out certain feelings. Um, Some people, because they don't want it, you know, they don't want their journal found or they don't want those feelings found there. You could just take a, you know, a blank sheet of paper and write it all out and, and tear it up afterward um, to get that, you know, particularly if you're having trouble with your own creativity and your voice, you feel stuck. That's a good way to get energy moving. So you can re um, reclaim your, your voice and not have that stagnancy. Hmm. So good. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk about a morning practice. Are some of these practices things that you advise your clients to put in their morning practices? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of a woman, a mother finding her voice uh, or the power of a woman's voice, right? That's our our theme here for this interview. Um, it is absolutely necessary to have some type of morning practice, whether it's for two minutes or whether it's for a whole hour, right? Um, it's time for you to honor yourself and connect with yourself. And so there, there's so many options here. So I'm just going to present some of the, the options. And, and for the women who are listening to really, um, for you to really tune in to what resonates with you, what sits right with you. You know, for some women, the morning practice is a meditation where they can sit, get grounded and still call in the universal support, however you um, Mm. connect with that. Um, Those who are divine feminine devotees call in the divine feminine, whatever that might look like for you. So, so meditation for others, it's a yoga practice or combo of yoga and meditation where you're doing some physical movement, right? To honor the body. It's really about feeling good in your body. For others, it could be dance movement, right? More, you know, same song every morning or different song, right? To get yourself moving again is about honoring your body because this is, our body is so connected to our voice as mothers. Uh, Well, it's how we produce our voice, but there's so much wisdom inside of our bodies that our families need, that our communities need, that our culture needs. Um, it's, It's all there in your body, particularly around your womb space. And if you're not connecting with with your womb and with your body in some way, then you don't get to access the full power of your voice. So so dance is a great one. Um, walking, just walking outside, particularly if you have nature nearby or even not, you know, if you're like, I'm in Santa Monica, so it's kind of, it's urban, but we have tons of people with gardens and so forth. You know, I go out walking to smell those flowers flowers, nature, earth, so feminine. So, so that can put you in a place of connecting and remembering the the power of your voice from the, from the core of the feminine, divine feminine. Um, 
running, right? Like these are all movement. I'm, I'm, I'm tuning into like mostly all the practice. Oh, of course, chanting, chanting, Mm -hmm. right? So for, for years, that was a huge part of my practice chanting. Um, and for those, again, um, if you're a yoga practitioner that, that might come more naturally because you might do have that as part of your classes. Um, but that's a beautiful way, particularly if you're, if you're into the divine feminine connected in that way, it's a huge way to open up your voice, um, connect to the power of your voice. So, and journaling. Yeah. And, and, and journaling. So, so I would just say any, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of like a grab bag of different practices. I imagine some women listening here do have morning practices, but if you don't have any morning practice, I encourage you to, to, you know, wake up two minutes earlier than you usually do and plop down a, if you have a yoga mat, plop down a yoga mat you know, count that as your sacred space, no matter if it's in the middle of, you know, chaos in your house, like that's your sacred space. If you don't have a yoga mat, plop down a a pillow that you could sit on and just sit for two minutes and breathe. And it, it can have profound effect on the way that you honor yourself, the way you're number one, showing up for yourself. That says so much. And then for your family members, for them to, See that, or at least know, maybe they're in a different room, at least know that you're doing something like that for yourself. That does have ripple effect to them. But most importantly, it's, it's for you and how you feel and your the way you start to value yourself and value your words and value your self-expression and value what you believe in, right? As your vision, as your, your life principles. Um, so I can't say enough about a morning practice. Um, I I started one when I was in my mid twenties and have done it ever since, and it was, was life changing. Mm, I love that. So we've come to the end of our time. Unfortunately, I know you and I could just chat forever. Um, and I want to ask you a question that I ask all my experts at the end of each interview, and that is. What is a vivid dream that is awakening inside of you at the moment? Hmm. Yeah. So recently I've gotten very much back into connection or connection at another level with the divine feminine and the goddess. And I'm feeling like, I'm being called at this next level to support women as, as writers, as speakers, as creators, um, women specifically who are being called by the divine feminine to, um, to express themselves and to, to amplify their voice. It's the same thing I've been doing (laughs) for many years, but what it's come in, in in the form, um, that it seems to be coming in now is to create a divine feminine writers group. And this is for women, whether they're writing a novel or a nonfiction book or a screenplay or poetry or spoken words or spoken word or uh, a one woman show or articles or blogs, whatever it is. And it doesn't, she doesn't have to be writing about the divine feminine, but it's that she knows 
that she is being called, right? She has this assignment from, from mother um, and that um, she's, she's been having trouble going at it alone or feeling scared or overwhelmed. And I've certainly related to, to all of that. Um, and I also know the pain of not writing what needs to be written, um, the personal pain, and then culturally, like, like I said earlier, Isabella, right? If our mother voice isn't, isn't out there in a, in a larger way that we all, we're all suffering, right? We're all suffering. So this vision of creating this divine feminine writers group, um, is starting to birth within me. And I, um, my sense is it's probably going to take a form of online, but then also once we're back in person, I I really would like in person women's circle again here in LA. Um, I used to lead a group called the goddess collective, um, years ago. And I love that uh, the women's circle. So I I'm feeling that again, I'm feeling like a re, I feel like I kind of went mainstream for a while and now I'm feeling this call again to, to, um, to stand forth a little more for, for the divine feminine. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I recently published a book and I have another book percolating inside of me and writing in community is so powerful. So I know I will definitely be checking that out. Uh, so thank you Great. again, Tabby. I also wanted to remind all of our audience that Tabby has a generous gift for you and you can check that out here on this page. Okay, beauty. I will speak to you again soon. And to all you mamas watching, the encouragement today is to go use your voice. You are so worthy of your own communication. So love you all. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. And psst, I'm offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.